0: Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Getting Real with Real Estate podcast with your host, Karen Beffar, real estate broker of the Beffar team in Brooklyn. So either you could call in to listen, 605-781-1200, or on the Naki Radio, Sinai Radio. We're on Android now on the App Store. There are many ways to listen or SinaiRadio.com synyradio.com so just to recap a little bit about the past few weeks what we've been talking about basically we've been discussing the whole process of buying starting off with getting a pre-approval going through your financials I really really can't stress how important enough I'll give you an example I have a home now that we have two offers that are very close. The owner's willing to accept either one of them. And one of them, the owner, would like to take their offer. And they're willing to give a number that makes sense. But they don't have a pre-approval. Their pre-approval is not ready. Their accountant was out of the office for two days. Couldn't give in the documents to the mortgage broker. And they're really waiting. And he could be losing his house, honestly, because he didn't have his pre-approval in his inbox. It's such a simple thing. If you anyways are planning on buying and just get a pre-approval. If someone tells me that my pre-approval is four months old, I stayed in the same job, but I know that, listen, four months ago all his documents was up to date, I could pretty much assume that things stayed the same. At least I'm a little more confident. So I really, I know I discussed that and I'm just reiterating it. Before anything, figuring out your financials, who's going to be your co-signer there's you know i I can remember a case right now of a home that we sold last year and a buyer really wanted it you know sometimes buyers just take a home um you know it's a home that they like but sometimes you see that someone really loves the home and they want to make it work and it just fits their needs for so many ways and they had three people that were willing to co-sign and they kept saying it's not a problem. Like when when we find a house, they said, they'll step up to the plate. At the end of the day, none of those three ended up working out to be a co-signer. One backed out and the other two just couldn't do. They had so much, they co-signed for other people and they never knew that. You, there's a certain limit of what, how, many, how many people you could co-sign for in terms of your income. So financials is so important. Uh, We discussed that. We discussed buyers and making a list of what's important to you and just being open minded, going to look. I see many times buyers that are tell me I'm never going to buy this type of house. I only want attached. I mean, detached. No one tells me I only want attached. Um, There's certain criteria that they're not willing to be flexible on. It's like when someone's dating and they're like, I only want this type of person. And then you see them 20 years later, you're like, hmm. I would never imagine they marry that type of person. So same thing with a house, I guess, a little similar um, in certain aspects that just go look, doesn't hurt you to just go look. Uh, We discussed a little bit about buyer etiquette. If you're a buyer looking at homes, um, be mindful. There's actually a seller who lives in the home and they're emotionally attached to it. Or it could be it's a renter that works full time and is struggling to just like pay the rent and you're intruding on their house. So be careful the comments you say, be careful what you say in front of their kids. We've discussed that adequate. We discussed just being mindful of the weather outside, a simple thing like that. You know, you're wearing shoes, it's the mother just cleaned the house, you know, someone who lives there cleaned the house, Offer to take your shoes off or a little adequate like that. It really makes such a big difference. I have sometimes sellers who tell me, oh, that one, they were rude or that one, they commented. Just this morning, we sold a house a few months ago and the seller happened to call the office for another reason, and she told um, my secretary, um, do you know I passed by that house and they gutted the whole thing, there's nothing left. And at the end of the day, she knew that whoever's buying that house is renovating it, but she's still emotionally attached to it. We sold, you know, a little while ago and just be mindful of people's feelings And things like that Um, we discussed the concept of sometimes family members help out young couples or a couple buy a home and the couple is going to look the buyers are going to look at homes and instead of looking at you know they, they keep seeing homes let's say they see 15 20 homes the 21st home that they see they're like that's it we saw enough this is for us the price makes sense they bring in their family and all of a sudden the family members like what this is crazy price they're not in tune with the market and no one's blaming them they didn't buy a house since you know 1978 when their prices were like 250 and all of a sudden they're like 1.1 for this that's insane but at the end of the day the 1.1 that these buyers are looking really the house is worth a million too so Making sure that your family members are on the same page. If they can't physically come and see the home, every home, obviously, it's hard to let them see every home. First, you go see it. If you like it, either send them a link to it. Keep them up to date on how the market is. It will just help you later on. I see that a lot of times that, like, you know, a couple, they finally, a buyer finally finds a house that works for them. But then their family just nicks it. Um, and I'm very into whatever your family says, like go with that, you know, take their advice. But at the end of the day, sometimes the family member themselves tell me, I wish I would have known that's the market. You know, they don't know what's a good deal. So we discussed that. We had, um, Ari Brescher, a mortgage broker speak on our line all about the whole process of mortgages. And I'm actually working on a first time home buyer's guard guide. Um, with all the steps from before looking and once you're looking to buy a home, once you give an offer, inspection. I have a you know a whole home buyer's guide, so if you want to email me, office at thebetfireteam.com, I'll be able to send you a guide. It's um, very clear, specific, a lot of different details that people don't know we put in there. So I worked on that with Aria Bresher. Uh, We had um, on the line over here, getting real with real estate, Stephen Perillus, a real estate attorney, telling us different um, things that can come up in a process, what to look for in a real estate attorney. And I always say, your uncle could be an attorney, your cousin, your neighbor, make sure you use a real estate attorney. They generally in Brooklyn, where I work in Midwood, Madison, Marine Park, generally around 2000 could be a little less, a little more, not something you want to skimp on like to save 300 bucks yes 300 is a lot of money but I see people losing out on in other areas so make sure I'll give you an example of you know something that just came to my head where a cheaper real estate attorney um, cheaper I'm meaning in terms of price and the quality of service they give you a real estate attorney should be accessible to you or his staff should be accessible if you have questions or if you email them. Yes, there are some buyers who will take advantage of that and call the attorney ten times a day and then wonder why they're not calling them back ten times. So obviously in you know everything in moderation, but a real estate attorney should be able to not just, you know, agree to every single demand from that the other party wants in the transaction. But be smart on what to give in, what to not give in. I had recently, uh, yeah, about a year ago, we had a deal that the seller's attorney was insisting that the whole down payment be given by signing contract. And that's insane. No one does that. If let's say you're giving total of 20% down payment or 50% down payment, then generally by signing contract, you need 10%. Sometimes they could take less, like if you're selling a property and you only have 5%, they'll usually okay with that if there's a specific reason. But one attorney we did a deal with, and my buyers were using a very reasonable attorney who was open-minded, but he was like, I, we never give full down payment by signing contract. And this seller's attorney was saying, that's the new style that's coming out, which I asked around other people, and they're like, it's not a style, no one does that. That's insane. So making sure that you have a real estate attorney that you're comfortable with that goes with your style, that's accessible. Some real estate attorneys are great with texting. I personally love texting, love WhatsApping. It's my preferred method. So some real estate attorneys like everything on the phone. Some don't even have a fax. So make sure that, you know, not not everything is created equal, not all attorneys are equal. Find one that goes with your style. And yes, if a family member is a attorney, or you yourself are an attorney, just get do yourself a favor, get a real estate attorney that specializes in real estate, that knows you know what to pick on, what not to pick on. That's also important. If someone is a regular attorney and not necessarily a real estate attorney, they won't know like they won't know what to make a big deal and what not to make a big deal. So basically. To come to today's topic we i'll just give you a little bit of a background so since i'm a real estate broker in brooklyn for six years by now yes it's exactly six years i get i often get calls from random people in my neighborhood friends people that follow me on social media that their children their husband themselves they're thinking of going into real estate and it looks like so much fun. They love houses. Happens to be I would growing up. I never thought in my wildest dreams that would ever be a real estate broker, let alone. I never had a passion for houses or design. I appreciate it. I like organizing, um, but I like designing is not my thing. I don't drive by a house and say, let me go look at home. Some people love to look at open houses like. They just walk in to see layouts. I'm not that type of person at all. So I didn't go into real estate for the love of homes. I happen to love helping people and I love challenges, so it just worked. Um, So a little bit what I wanted to discuss today is what are certain qualities needed in a real estate agent and is it the right field for you? Just a little bit about that, especially now, um, specifically this time of year, a lot of um, kids, I say kids because if they graduate high school, they're kids, but I guess teenagers that are not, they're applied for college or apply for a job. They're not sure what they're doing yet in life. They're 18 years old and or someone that's graduated a few years ago or they already have a job that they're just not happy in, you know, 18, 24-year-old, 29-year-old. So a lot of parents tell me like, you know i want my son to get into it i want my daughter to get into it but i always say like what are they what are your what does your child want to do you want them to get into it but i you know always look at the, ch- the actual teenager or the adult that wants to get into real estate and find out why do they want to get into real estate and when i sometimes i speak to them on the phone and i always say like if one of the first reasons that someone says they want to get into real estate is like. The potential is great, like you can make tons of money. Then like right away in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, like very hard to be successful with that mindset. You know, when you tell yourself, like, I want to make X amount of money in this this year, it doesn't work like that. This is my opinion. Everyone has their own entitled to their own opinion. But I think in the long term, it's very hard to be successful when you're just focused on the money aspect. Uh, When I, the way I started in real estate, I'll give you a little bit of background. I was a special ed therapist, I have a master's in psychology and special ed. I worked for many years as a SEAT, which is um, working with children with behavioral and learning needs in a regular classroom setting. So I worked, I don't remember how many years exactly, I worked many years, under 10 years, something like that. and. I really enjoyed it. It was a job that I love to do. I loved helping, you know, I love helping people, so I love helping children and when I was in the classroom, giving insight to the teachers about other children. And I love challenges, so I was generally given the more behavioral kids, I guess I would say. Um, and it definitely had some paperwork involved in it. did not like the paperwork part. Everyone has different things they love. So, like, when people call me up and they tell me, like, I'm a 9-to-5 type of person. Like, I love organization, sitting by a desk. Like, give me any job, but, like, I need to have structure. Like, real estate's not for you. So, that's, like, you could work in a type of real estate. Like, maybe in a property management office. I I could guide them to that. But, like, I'm not a 9-to-5 type of person. So, which is funny because, you know, real estate I work... 9 to 5 and 5 to 9 but and so yeah, that's how it came out I was a special ed therapist and someone approached my husband someone that he you know has been teaching for many years saying You know why don't you get your course your real estate course you could do it on the side for me So he was like, you know what? why not so I love learning I love reading love love learning I'm always curious which is a trait that helped me in my business a lot and basically I took the course together with him six years ago exactly in the summer and I was like okay no one in my family is in business I don't never thought I had a business head per se and that's how it really evolved um, I was doing special ed for two years at the same time while I was doing um, real estate building it up slowly slowly and I guess the rest is history I opened up my company the I team like four years ago so basically It's a, you know, not such a, you know, pretty unique type of story. A lot of people tell me, like, how'd you, from a special health therapist. How'd you become a real estate broker? That's, like, such a different career change. Like, they were comparing it to, like, you know, someone who, like, loves parachuting and then becoming the president, you know. I didn't look at it like that at all. And I'll tell you why and how it could help you. Basically, there were certain skills. Looking back, I could analyze it better. When I was going through it. Definitely was not easy for me. Weren't so many young from real estate brokers at all when I started. Now there are plenty, plenty in Brooklyn. Insane how many there are. But when I was when I started out there really weren't any. Instagram and social media wasn't so big in a community for real estate agents. So there wasn't any like peer support and but I'm like, listen, I didn't have any expectations of myself. I didn't say I need to make five thousand dollars this year or twenty or fifty or a hundred. I just put my head down, did the work, learned from scratch, never worked, walked into any company. Um, someone held my license for two years before I opened up my own. But I, when people tell me, oh, oh my gosh, I got no training for my company, I'm like, so just figure it out yourself. Like, there's Google, there's YouTube. Like, figure it out. There's so many mentors. If you look, there's a lot of opportunities and that goes in any job like so my advice to like people that you know either have a career ready and have a went to school they're a CPA or they're what a pharmacist or anything even if you went to school for 6 years, 8 years, 5 years sometimes it's so hard for you to think like i have to all of a sudden pivot into a different job like i wasted my time you know, I could easily could have thought of that. What do you mean? I went to school with so much money and time and energy and I had to take so many state tests. And I could have told myself, like, what do you mean? Like, that's a waste. But if you keep looking back and saying that, then that's a waste. Imagine you're 60 years old and you're like, when I was 28, I could have, that's when I switched into real estate. Um, I think I just dated and aged myself. Um, you, you know, you basically could have, I could have just started real estate years ago or I could have you know just told myself oh I'm not going to go to switch jobs because what a waste I, I paid so much for my schooling it's so weird to switch but no like I find that more and more people are pivoting in their career like they're just saying whatever schooling I went to helped me get to where I am and now I'm gonna learn new skills and just reinvent myself so I find that's very important if teenagers who are hearing this or parents of teenagers could just take that advice and tell themselves listen um my son or child daughter is 18 19 let them figure it out obviously you know you're used to putting your kid through preschool playgroup, and preschool and school and high school and being involved in everything but it's okay for them to you know go to nursing school for one year or two years and figure out it's not for them it's just it's not a mistake you just learn from it there's always a skill that you could use from any so I I suggest is sit down and figure out like what type of personality works for you like are you a nine-to-five type of person and there's so many career coaches in our community if you reach out to me I could connect you to different people that could tap into what you enjoy what's your passion you know like I started using LinkedIn exactly a year ago There was a LinkedIn event for the firm community in Brooklyn. I went to it and I met so many people who do like jobs I never heard of, like a copywriter. I used to think copywriters for like movies. I don't even I don't even know what I thought copywriter was, but now I learned there's so many copywriters that they just do copy. They just write the words for a website or you know different you know text that you that's needed. That's a real job. So there's, and, you know, years ago, people will think, like, what, that's a job? So find what your passion is, what you like to do, and just go mentor someone, go be mentored by people, go intern. There's some schools that have these intern programs. There are some schools that have these intern programs where you can just, you know, every few weeks, train by someone else, or every two, three months, and you get a feeling firsthand of what type, what job exactly am i getting into the ins and outs of it and you yourself will realize listen to yourself your cues your style and based off of that you'll get some sort of you know inclination of where to start so you know switching careers for me was very weird in the beginning it was like just i had to redefine who i was you know real estate broker is like very business oriented and in general people looked at it as like a cutthroat business so they like re- when you say you're a teacher it's like one personality special ed teacher is a different like a little better personality meaning not better but like a little more compassionate you know that mindset and then like a real estate agent is like is looked at as aggressive and cutthroat and maybe not the honest in the business so for me it was like merging those two personas together but you know what like I had to realize what I enjoyed and I love the thrill of like not knowing what this week is going to bring. That's my, for me, I enjoy that. I love the changing up of things. But some people who like the consistency, but love working in, could could get different types of jobs. So, just, you know, looking at, you know, looking at where you stand and what you want to do. It's fine if your 21 year old was in college going for one thing and change because. Listen, your 25-year-old person is different than your 40-year-old person or your 60-year-old person. Everyone is different in, in their sense. So, you know, I know many people who spent years in school and have debt, and they say, how can I just leave what I did and start something else? Obviously, everything has to be thought out, and it can't just come from a place of it's not working for me, I'm giving up, for sure not. But, like, you know, I stayed at my other job for two years while doing both at the same time, you know, till I was ready to give it up. So I meet so many people who are in their 20s and they're unsure what they want to do. So they go from one job to the next to the next without just sitting and analyzing, like, what, what type am I? What can I do? And there's so many mentors that are available. So basically, that's my uh, story in a nutshell. And I hope I was able to um, inspire you, any of you that are listening, to do a career that you like and enjoy and you find, you know, passion in and if any of you want to reach out you could reach me at office at the or on instagram at the Bethar team linkedin karen betfire again thank you for joining and tuning in your host karen betfire and the Befire team getting real with real estate every wednesday at 9 p.m if you have any questions or topics that you would like us to discuss in the future i got this as a topic actually from one mother If you would have a topic that you want me to discuss in the future, please reach out. You could email us or our number is 347-988-2526 and SinaiRadio.com. You could hear all our past podcasts and other amazing speakers. Thank you and all the best.